to the Dive into Reiki podcast. I'm Natalie, and together we will enjoy a series of conversations that explore the journey of Reiki practitioners and teachers from all lineages. 100% Reiki-focused stories, 100% human. Happy 2022, and we start uh, the year with episode 17 of the Dive into Reiki podcast and a lovely guest, Christopher Tellez. Christopher is the owner of San Francisco Reiki Center. He is a Reiki master and licensed clinical social worker who started practicing Reiki in 2010. He became a Reiki master teacher in 2016 in the tradition of Hawaii Takata and the discipline of Usui Shikiryoho. Christopher has worked in the social work profession for over two decades and holds a master degree from Columbia University School of Social Work. He is also on the board of Reiki Centers of America, profit committed to training and empowering Reiki practitioners and Reiki masters to develop successful Reiki centers and tribal Reiki communities in North America. He serves on the board of Northwest Reiki Gathering, a not-for-profit which hosts an annual Reiki gathering that began in 1985, and he's also a member of the Reiki Alliance an international community of Reiki masters dedicated to the practice of Usui Shikiryoho, the Usui system of natural healing. Lately, he's also been very active as one of the founders of Reiki Unified to try to protect our freedom to practice Reiki. So I'm really, really excited. But before we move on to the interview, I want to remind you that you can support the podcast and spreading uh, Reiki education to every practitioner around the world for less than the cost of a cup of coffee, well, a cappuccino, at Patreon. So visit patreon.com slash dive into Reiki and you will get early and exclusive access to the interviews and access to the playbacks of all my morning meditations. Your support uh, helps pay for hosting, editing, transcribing, and keeps the podcast going. So thank you so much. May it come back to you a thousand times. And now on with the interview. A lot of amazing work, Christopher. Thank you so much for coming uh, to oh, the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. We met a little bit during the Reiki Unified podcast, but I'm really excited to go a little bit deeper into your journey and all the work you do. So I always start every podcast the same uh, way. I, I love to hear how people found Reiki. What was the first time you encountered it? Um, what made you fall in love with Reiki? Okay, well, thank you so much, Natalie. You know, I, I always say that uh, Reiki found me. I did not find Reiki. Uh, and I say that because in uh, 2010, I um, got a phone call uh, that my mom was hit by a car oh. and I needed to go home to bury her. And like all of us do, uh, we reach out to the people that we love and, and care for and who support us. And I reached out to my good friend, Brian Brunius. And at the time he was in India at an ashram. And uh, within 24 hours, he called me. And by then, I was, flew from New York to San Diego. And I was in a car in like a mall. And uh, he called and he said he wanted to send me Reiki. And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I've never heard of Reiki. And uh, he essentially met me where I was at. You know, of course, I was sobbing and in shock and angry and had so many feelings. Um, and he said, I want to send you some energy to help you feel a little bit better and to 
help you feel comforted during this uh, tragic time. And so I said, okay, sure, even though I didn't understand what he was talking about. And within about 15 minutes, I felt this gigantic ball of energy surround me and enter into my whole being. And uh, my tears, uh, they stopped and I felt like I was being held. Um, and I felt some peace and some love. Uh, and that was my first experience uh, with Reiki. I did bury my mom uh, and I went back to New York and I proceeded to get quite sick. Um, and that happens a lot when we have a lot of emotion that we're struggling to process. Yeah. And I remember I called Brian and I said, Brian, can you give me some of that Reiki stuff? Because I thought it was like a potion. I really didn't understand. I didn't know what was going on. And uh, he said, uh, he said, basically, you know, I want to encourage you to come take a Reiki class. And I was like, well, what, what, what? And he goes, well, what I gave you, you can give to yourself every single day. And if you do that, your life is going to change and you're going to change. Honestly, I was skeptical, <laughs> but I wanted to be like my friend, Brian, who was uh, grounded and he laughed a lot. And uh, he didn't seem to be in a lot of internal suffering and he, had, he was healthy. And I had a lot of internal suffering and a lot of physical problems uh, at that time. Um, and so I went to my first Reiki class about maybe three or four months after my mom passed away in 2010. I do love the way you describe, like, give me some of that Reiki stuff because that's our first reaction, right? Can we just have some Reiki stuff given to us to take away the pain and feeling loved? And then we discover we can actually cultivate that loving kindness inside ourselves. I love that story. And I'm sorry such tragic events got you to Reiki, but I'm happy found you. Yes, yes, me too. So, and you took, so then you did your Reiki one class, but you kept all the way. And if you're saying 2010, you took your time then to do all your master and your training. You didn't rush like I did. I did like Reiki one and Reiki two, like super fast. So I took Reiki first degree in 2010, uh, second degree in 2011. And about six months after second degree, actually maybe three or four months, I started San Francisco Reiki Center as a second degree student. Oh, and wow. I started seeing clients. And I started my master training uh, in 2016, uh, 2014, excuse me, 2014. And uh, Brian initiated me as a master in 2016. So my trainings uh, was for my master training was, uh, was uh, two years and uh, countless hours, 2000 client hours and a master thesis project, pretty intensive. I love that. But then uh, I think some of the challenges that we face when we do, and then I slow down, I started fast and I was so confused that I slowed down my trainings. But I think one part when we just get the master of Reiki to without hours is when we start doing it professionally. And I put quotes there. We're very insecure because we don't have the experience to back it up. Right. So I think in a way, these programs may sound like also slow, but I guess when you left, you felt probably more, you had deal with so many more people and and sessions that you had a better experience that we can have when we rush. Definitely. I mean, I, I started my professional practice as a second degree student and, you know, you can give Reiki sessions even, I mean, I, some people get Reiki sessions after first degree, right? I mean, it's just practice, 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 and getting the opportunity to, uh, at least for me, uh, the way I experienced it, uh, learning how to get out of my own way, <laughs> right? 
and just uh, have the practice of being in Reiki and just allowing the Reiki to flow through me. Um, and for me, I was very impacted uh, in a way where I just would feel very airy, right? So learning how to hold the Reiki, right? Learning how to be in Reiki, um, work with clients. I mean, I also have a, a background in social work, so that's helpful <laughs> working with clients. But but it, yeah, the, it is important to, to have the actual practice piece of, of working with clients because then when you learn how to teach, you have to be with your students. Yeah, and a social working background helps a lot because sometimes I tell my students, offering the session per se is not really the difficult part. It's like, how do you handle communication? How, like the whole thing that goes around, I think that's where the experience also helps you a lot, right? Because as you say, the energy will flow from the beginning, but how we handle that energy, how we handle the communication, that the more practice, the better. And I was very airy too. I had no idea what grounding was. Like it took me a few years, like, oh, this is what feeling grounded in my body is. And then that also really helped inform my practice. You know, as you say, if not, you're like, woo, which is a lot of fun though. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but not always sustainable. I love that. So what, because that's the other thing, you started a community center. And if I remember well, you also helped bring Reiki to communities that were not so uh, probably exposed to Reiki, if that's a way to say. And that I found really, really interesting. Yeah, well, I, I will say that in 2013, uh, my teacher, Brian Brunius of New York City Reiki Center started to come to San Francisco Reiki Center and he was teaching classes there every three months. And part of that process, um, I started a Reiki community clinic. Um, and it, it was predominantly because of my social work background that I wanted to ensure that there was accessible services uh, for, for people, right? Um, and so then I would mentor those students uh, at the community clinic. And then as time went on, the students kind of took charge of it. Um, and we did more of a peer-to-peer -peer model of uh, working, with, working with students and then working with clients. Um, so I did start a, a community clinic. We still have it today. Um, and then we've, we've, I, I helped to organize what we call what we called a Bay Area Reiki share. And we brought a bunch of uh, Reiki masters together and tried to bring communities of Reiki practitioners together. Oh, wow. Um, and that was really interesting and fun. And then we've also done something called Reiki, Reiki to the People. Uh, we've done that only one time so far. I really want to do that again. Uh, but we hosted a big, uh, incredibly accessible uh, Reiki, Reiki day. Had like, I, don't know, I think we had like 10 tables and people came in and had the opportunity to try Reiki at a very uh, affordable rate. Oh, that is beautiful because some of the limits sometimes for some people, especially in cities where the rent for space, like San Francisco, New York is high. Yes. Do we make Reiki accessible to communities who actually also need it the most because they don't have mental health services or healthcare? So right. if there is a tip for anyone thinking about that, what did you learn from this experience from your Reiki to the people? And I love the title. So no one still has it. It's yours. <laughs> it's a great name it's like yoga to, the people, well, yoga to the people i mean i will say that uh the the reiki to the people uh happened probably about five or six years after i started san francisco reiki center uh we started the community uh, reiki clinic first and you know what i would say is 
Well, what I, what I want to preface as saying that when I first started it, I had one student that would come every week to the, to the clinic and with me. It was just one student. And uh, we may have like two people come, right? And so someone would be like, probably want to give up, right? And be like, well, it's not taking off. It's not working. People aren't coming. The students aren't coming. The clients aren't coming. And then, and then we'd be like, ah. But we like stuck it out and every week we'd come. And, you know, it took, honestly, I think it took a good year and a half, maybe even two years for the community clinic to take off. Um, and so. Perseverance. Yeah, the perseverance piece. Um, and just, you know, the commitment to it, right? Like, like my teacher would say, you know, just keep your trust. He first he'd say trust Reiki, which I, you know, in the beginning I roll my eyes because I was like, you know, because, uh, you know, we're such a doing culture. Right. I'm, I'm like, what am I doing wrong? I came from it as that I had to do something. Right. And once I, I was like, well, why don't I, I asked Reiki, please bring me people that I could help. Please bring, bring me people that, you know, SF Reiki Center can help, you know, please bring the students. And, uh, and then eventually, you know, it, it, it took off. So it's patience, perseverance. <laughs> and trust. I, I love that you're a skeptic, you know, because that demonstrates that it does work, even if you're a skeptic at the beginning. It's, and I remember building up when we had yoga spaces in New York. Now, most of them are closed. Uh, we built a community for Reiki classes and it took right. also between a year, year and a half to really build up to full capacity. Yeah. The exactly. classes, sometimes I was alone, sometimes it was two people, sometimes one. And then after 18 months, it was sold out, but it took... It was only 18 people. It's not like, but it took a year and a half to get there. Exactly. So yeah. patience to everybody. And, and with the pandemic, how can you adapt those services? Because I know like we close, we open. How has that been for you? Yeah. So during the pandemic, uh, clearly we stopped doing the in-person um, Reiki, Reiki clinic. Uh, we predominantly focused on um, online Reiki circles. Uh, as far, and as so and for treatments this way, distance treatments for second degree, we started a, a Reiki meditation, Hatsureho course in the evenings on Monday nights. And we tried to do distance treatments for the community clinic. You know, we had it on the calendar for a long time and we had some people that would show that would uh, come, but it was interesting. Uh, people chose to do private sessions distant sessions. Um, and I'm not sure why. Uh, so people still came. It just, it, it just looked a little bit different. So now, you know, it, it, I think we, San Francisco, we started uh, seeing classes, seeing teaching classes and seeing clients in the community clinics been going on for, I think since last June, July, August, something like that. May it's still open here in New York. We're closing down a little bit again, hopefully remain open over there. But I, I really love, and, and we're talking a little bit about this before we started the recording for the podcast. Uh, you have a very deep spiritual practice. And also because of your social uh, working background, you're also very active in the community. So I think sometimes, and that happened to me personally, so no one feels judged about that. For me, sometimes helping the world was sitting and obviously sharing my light, which I still think is a beautiful way to do it. But how can we become more active as a Reiki community? Um, 
and impact the society beyond just sitting and doing our practice? Like any tip to start building those communities beyond perseverance or what other places can we be more active? Yeah, well, I think it's a good question. I continuously think that like my own internal process of healing (laughs) and moving myself away from my own self-involvement my own ideas of thinking I'm so smart and amazing and all those kinds of things that as human beings, we're, you know, we just, it's just how we are. Right. Um, so to me, it's like, yeah, I could share my light to the world, but for me, it's like my spiritual practice and my social activism also has to do with me really kind of looking at myself and looking at my neuroses in a way where it's like, if I'm really truly sharing my life in the world, how am I really, how am I actually being loving and compassionate to people? <laughs> right. And so for me, and I, and I certainly am not going to sit here and be like, I'm just like enlightened guy. Right. Um, so to me, it's about the inner work, you know, it's like, okay, well, I can talk, I can talk all about spirituality. I can talk about the Reiki precepts, you know, talk about my many teachers and it's every day, you know, I open up the news and I, I read all this stuff and I, I can feel my body go into immense fear and uh, go into scarcity, <laughs> right? Yeah. So my social activism for me is to continue my self-practice and my spiritual practice, my meditation practice so that I can alleviate that. Because if I'm in all of that stuff, how am I going to really be available to other people? Right. So as far as like the other piece of like being a service, because essentially to me, like having a community clinic or even Reiki circles, you know, is really about providing a space so that people can come together when they're exactly feeling like I was just mentioning. Right. When we're in fear or we're scared or we're afraid our job's going to go away, we're not going to have enough money or health's going to get bad. Um you know, how can we provide spaces like that for people, right? And how can I continue to do it? Um, And maybe sometimes I'm not always able to be there, right? So how am I preparing my students to be able to step up, right? So that's the way I think about it. I think of community as not just me, you know, it's I have to do my work for myself to keep myself grounded and focused on love and compassion. How can I keep, you know, fostering that and then how am I creating that that space for other people right and to be also be able to hold space I love that because I think also and again there are people like you who will organize circles but you can also be just the person joining the circle because some of us are not born to organize right but just by joining the circle having done your work and holding the space for the other members in the circle is a beautiful way then to contribute to the community right sometimes we cannot be all circle organizer. We cannot all right. be professional, but perhaps doing our inner work and then joining the community, perhaps on circles that also exist. If yes. that is also a way to help support and, and come together as, as a community. I love that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, because, of, I'm, because of my background in social yeah. work and the work I've done, I often, we often did a lot of organizing around the peer to peer model. So yes, I'm the teacher, and I'm going to teach you Reiki. And the way that I learned Reiki was very specific. It's, it's like, there's this position and there's this position, you know, so it's not like it's rocket science, 
right? I mean, anyone can learn Reiki. <laughs> Which <laughs> is the best part, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, developing, um, you know, people's skills to be able to teach each other, you know, is important. Um, greatly appreciated. Uh, on the other hand, of the people who are not as good organizing things, so we really come all together. And so I would have liked to go back a little bit because you studied a very a traditional Hawaiata Kata lineage, if I'm correct, right? So probably closer to what the original teachings from Takata were in the 1980s. <laughs> well, uh, so my teacher, Brian Brunius of uh, New York City Reiki Center, studied under John Harvey Gray. And John Harvey Gray was a, a third Reiki master Hawaii of Takata initiated. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we have a, you know, a direct, direct lineage to Dr. Makawa Yusui from Yusui to Hayashi to Takata to John. Um, and it would, I would say, yes, it's traditional. Um, there are some tools that, that we utilize that aren't Reiki um, as far as like scanning the chakras and opening and closing spirals and things like that. Uh, that John Harvey Gray did talk to Hawaii Takata about, but uh, we're very clear that we know that it's not Reiki. They're just diagnostic tools that we use. Uh, but yes, from the traditional sense, you know, our, our class is really long. There's lots of practice time when we teach and students practice a lot and sharing the story, the oral, oral history and the energetic transmission that occurs during the story to prepare the students for their attunements. Uh, yes. Very much so. Perfect. And I love like the way you describe it. Like those are diagnostic tools that were added. Like then I love because that gives them a really the right place for it. Like you can use diagnostic tools, but the essence of Reiki is the very simple, um, you yes. know, original set of tools. So I, I love that you actually call them diagnosis tool. I think it's very useful uh, also. So we don't get confused at what is this and that's so many lineages, right? They're just all have different tools. So I also wanted uh, to go a little bit about in your personal life. So obviously it gave you a great gift of going from a moment of grief uh, that happened with the passing of your mom to really being able to process your emotions and be healthier. If you have, if you will describe what is the biggest uh, gift of Reiki through the years, because it's over a decade you practice now, what will that be? Wow, the biggest gift. <laughs> and for the people who listen to yeah, this, well, say you're glowing well, and your eyes lit up with the most beautiful light. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, it, I mean, to me, it's kind of a, the reason I feel like I'm struggling with expressing what I'm trying to say is that like the man who came before you in 2010 is a completely different person today. And if Brian would have attempted to explain that to me was really beyond my conceptual understanding, you know, yeah. um, like completely beyond. So to me, I, I feel like with my training and my commitment to my practice, um, and then also having a formal meditation practice outside of Reiki, I am attempting every day to step into my true nature, you know, which is free of anger and free of worry, you know, and really embodying the precepts, for example. Um, and for me, Reiki has been able to give me the awareness and clarity to be able to see the story 
that I, I would like to play that will keep me the victim and keep me in anger and keep me in judgment, right? So to me, it's like, it's Reiki helps me to see the mirror to help me see my truer self. I love how you put that. And you must be like a second cousin because I think the stories we tell each other are very similar about being victims and all of that. <laughs> so we're maybe related. <laughs> but but I, I, again, I love what you say because sometimes we want to, use practices like Reiki or crystals to manifest something, right? Specific. And a lot of times we come to Reiki like that, and that is a great way to enter. Like that's probably most of us enter because we're unhappy and we want to manifest. And I say that with quotes, and then you realize it's actually about letting go, right? Letting go of stories, letting go of worry, letting go of angers. And it's just, I don't experience in that beautiful unfolding and suddenly discover there is inner joy and you don't need to manifest anything, right? You just need to be present and, and just be there. So I, I love how you put it. And again, I will say for the people listening, you had the most beautiful smile and your eyes were like super like blinky. So, <laughs> so it is, I, and I, I agree with you. We cannot imagine where the journey is and the beauty is. Hopefully you'll practice for another 20, 30, 40 years. So you don't know where it will take you. Yes, exactly. Who knows? <laughs> and you're not allowed to hope. Any plans that you want to do? I know the pandemic has been a game changer for most of us. I know you restarted in June, as you mentioned. But how has the pandemic transformed a little bit your vision of serving the community? Or do you have a new dream, a new plan, anything you would love to share? Well, hmm, that's a good question. Um, well, you know, our community clinic is up and running again. And uh, the last two months we've been fully booked. So that's exciting. I initiated my first Reiki master, um, Dave Hadley, and he's now teaching out of uh, SF Reiki Center and he also has his own practice. And so, and I have a master candidate, Ann Massey right now. And then now I have one more just started master candidate, uh, Laura Minor. And um, I want to, teach Reiki and initiate masters. And I want them to have students, right. <laughs> and, and keep, keep the, keep the tradition going, right. Of just committing to service. So, I mean, I, I, you know, they may not look at their practices as centers, right. Uh, they may think of it as just like their Reiki practice, but I, you know, want, I would hope from how I teach them that they will have, you know, circles and, guide meditations and have spaces for their students as well. So I want to just keep, keep more centers growing, right. More yeah. hubs growing and, and, um, you know, ensure and impress upon my students to continue to have accessible services. Oh, that, that is really like, it's important. It's difficult uh, with space, but that, that is really lovely because I do feel I live now in a community that probably is underserved in terms of these things and right. finding a way when things open up, but even the rental space here make it almost impossible. So I'm glad that also like you're putting that mindset on everyone, right? And because I hope after the pandemic, we can really find more places to do that. Another thing that really hit me when you were talking, um, I love that you actually allow your students to teach with you and to grow with you. And that you wish them to have many students and circles yes. to grow. And I find that 
uh, seen from the outside very beautiful, right? You just don't teach the class and release them into the world and don't remember their name. There right. is really that mentoring and that support and no fear of competition. Yes. You know? So I do you want to talk a little bit, how did you get to that space of like, hey, um, there is enough Reiki sessions and communities for all of us to thrive? Well, sure. I mean, I could talk a little bit about that in the sense of uh, how I recognized it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, you know, when I when I first started my practice, I, I was like, well, what, why aren't all the why aren't all the Reiki masters like talking to each other? Like, why aren't there? Why isn't the Bay Reiki community really like you know being together? And so, um, you know, as a community organizer. Uh, my thesis project was a community assessment of the Bay Area Reiki community. And so I, I interviewed, I think, four or five masters in the Bay Area. I interviewed students. And so it was both quantitative and qualitative uh, for my project. And I did, there were some themes that came out of that paper. And one of it, one of it was um, that, that, you know, there are few people doing uh, Reiki professionally. And there is that kind of sense, right? Like, well, you know, if I, I got to start grabbing because I might not be able to, you know, make a living kind of a thing. Uh, but also there, I, I did notice that there was a sense from students that, that after their training, um, there wasn't a lot of um, mentorship from the, from their teachers. And then from the Reiki masters, I got the, from what the information I got was, their teachers weren't incredibly available. And so then they were super burnt out. So it was almost as if the masters didn't have support. And so then they got burnt out. And then the students took the class and it was amazing, but then didn't have continued support. So then they felt left alone, right? And so um, so that was really interesting to me. And I, I think that part of the way that I've set up the community clinic kind of addresses that as well as in, in my initiating lineage, like I'm in contact with my teacher, not fairly regularly in the sense of like, I call him every day if there's a problem, like I should be at a point where I can manage some things, but that I have a mentorship, right? Uh, with him and or my other colleagues within our initiating lineage. So like, how do you do that? And I think, you know, I'm not sure why it is that way, you know? You know, Brian would always tell me that I didn't need to worry about that kind of stuff, that the, that the, the right people that need to, to come to me for Reiki are going to come to me. And the other people are going to go to that Reiki master or that Reiki practitioner um, because energetically we have different energy. And I'm not going to be able to give everybody Reiki because they're not going to be drawn to me. And like, that's okay. It's not, it's not a bad thing. It just is. I mean, I live in a city that has a million people in it. So <laughs> that's a lot of people. <laughs> right? a lot of people, exactly. No, and imagine, yeah, New York is the same. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I'm really grateful. Uh, my training for Reiki 1 and 2 was so, honestly, like so confusing that when I went to Reiki Master, like six years afterwards, like the first question I, I asked, like, are you able to mentor me? have mentor yeah. sessions afterwards, right? Because the questions come after the training. And now as you do, I have a relationship with my mentor. We don't, it's not about permission. It's just about how do I go deeper sometimes or just checking in with each other. And it's been very enriching. So I try to offer the same for my students. 
like for me also, I go to martial arts and the sensei is your sensei for life, right? Right. And I, so I when I hear you talk, it's almost like that. Like, you know, it, yes, of course, there is a business side about uh, energy exchange and income exchange when you teach, but at the end, it's also a spiritual practice. It's not just a business. So right. it's, it's a different, like, we're not going to make each other rich by teaching more students and discarding them. That is a little bit against the precepts in a way. You could look at it like that. Well, I always put everything very dramatic. Remember, I'm like, I'm the Latino Scorpio who makes everything. <laughs> well, so, I, mean, I, will, I will say that, you know, my teacher taught me that when I'm committing to be a Reiki master teacher, that I'm committing to being a teacher for the rest of my life. So the students come, they learn Reiki from me, and they're, they always have me as being available to them if they have questions about Reiki. Now, if someone calls me to tell me all of their problems, or maybe they're having a lot of things going on, I'll say, why don't you come in for a Reiki session? Oh, yeah. So, you know, there has to be some boundaries, but of course, anytime a student, they call, they're confused about the hand placements, that something happened with a client that they've worked on or their friend, you know, what should I do, you know? And I actually appreciate you put boundaries because yes, you also are not supposed to be available for free training for the rest of your life for your Reiki masters, right? So there must be a boundary. You can clarify a few easy things. You can give a little bit of support, but any bigger thing, like I actually get like mentoring sessions officially with my mentor when he's something deeper question, yeah. you know? So I appreciate that you brought that in because we also have the reverse. Some people who call you every day and send you very big emails that take hours and you know, right. it must be a balance so I appreciate that oh my god you're so grounded I love that healthy boundaries grounded and <laughs> the most beautiful glasses that I'm obsessed with because I, I need to get new glasses so I'm going to copy you I think I would love you already say we went over the tips for people developing Reiki community you said perseverance and is there any way I think the one part I would love to cover is how do you communicate the Reiki clinic is there uh, away, how do you spread the word for all these efforts? Again, you did your thesis on the Reiki Masters. How did you bring them together? What is, how do we spread the word? Um, that's a good question. As far as, you know, I, I have a website clearly, right? I will say that I do have a professional web designer. Oh. Because it's not an area that I feel like I'm an expert in. And so... I do believe in paying people to help you with things you're not so good at. Uh, so I will say that <laughs> because I think that's important, but that's just for me. You know, I have newsletters, which also are designed beautifully um, from my uh, colleague. And, you know, I, I have an Instagram account, a Facebook fan page. Uh, you know, all of these things are nice in the aspect that People can see your photo or you can do a video and they can see you energetically. You know, what Brian has always told me and taught me is that, you know, you're, you're building Reiki energy within San Francisco Reiki Center. And so, you know, he would say, well, if I don't have clients, you know, to go to my Reiki studio and to clean it and to be there and ask Reiki to bring me people that I could help. He explained that, the work we do isn't considered traditional <laughs> and our interaction with it isn't the traditional marketing model. Um, yeah, I have the things that I need to have because that's how our society operates. But, you know, energetically every day I commit myself to my Reiki practice and to Reiki. 
and to be in a service to people. And I found by doing that, um, you know, clients come and students come. And, you know, there's some formal ways that we can also do this practice uh, as a practitioner, which I don't need to go into now. Yeah. There are things that we can do as second degree students to help with that. But yeah, I, I, I have like in the beginning of my practice kind of fallen into the like, let me pay for Yelp and let me pay for this. And it always backfired. And Brian would always be like, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> That's not helpful. You know, you think it's going to be helpful, but it's not. And so, uh, but, you know, in the beginning of my practice, I did make flyers. I remember making flyers and going to, going and posting them and having little things. And to me, it's like, yeah, that you can call that marketing. But to me, that's also about putting energy into your practice. You're putting yourself out there. You know, like I would write my friends and family and let them know that I'm, you know, doing Reiki. I'm, you know, seeing Reiki clients. You know, eventually, you know, it's, you know, the movement, the movement, movement, movement. It's, it's, I, there are a couple of things I want to highlight of what you said is really committing to Reiki and being a service. And then, as you say, when we're doing flyers, it's really we're doing it with the right energy, right? Yeah. But just an example, and I have done very similar things, and I fell miserably with Yelp, Google Ads, all those things. Like, it's, it's never brought as much as when I'm centered. Today, for example, the exterminator came. I live in a very old building. And I'm very calm. He came the other day. He came today. I have my mask. And then he says, what do you teach? I'm like, no, because I told him I had a class to teach if he could be silent. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. I teach meditation and Reiki. He's like, I want to learn that because you're so calm and your energy is so nice, right? So yeah. and when you were talking, I'm like, yeah, at the end, most of the clients I've met have been because I'm just being myself calm on my very good days, not on my crazy Scorpio days. And <laughs> then they come and, and you're saying that. And I'm like, I'm nodding, I'm nodding. Because when I'm in that place of fear, when I go for Yelp and I feel I have to do all those checkboxes for marketing, yeah. I don't get crap. But when I'm like, relax, or as you say, I write, but I write from a place of service and commitment and love, things flow a lot better. So, but you put it in a more professional, clear way than I do. So I love well, that. We, we call it this, we... You could say it, attraction, not promotion. <laughs> that is, I'm stealing yeah. that. I'm stealing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is a program. There is a program that uses that. <laughs> so you didn't come okay. me. <laughs> I, I will not use it then or steal it. You I can use it. Just know that it, it's not my words. <laughs> but that. it's the same sentiment, right? It, it, there's, it, no, there's no need to do these really inundate people every single day with something free or whatever it is you could <laughs> no no I, I love the way and you said it at the beginning at the end reiki became your way of finding your true nature right and i think when we're sitting in that true nature uh the laws are different right it's not the regular law of attraction i'm obsessed with the perfect house and it will come to me and i I, that's not what we're talking here. It's really being centered in your light, Buddha essence, true nature, how we want to call, that is really appealing to people because it's, it's beautiful light, it's loving kindness, and it's compassionate. So I think, yeah, that is beautiful. And I won't, or I will quote the person who say attraction, not. Well, I mean, I also, I think too, for me is like, like really learning how to live life on life's terms. You know, things happen. Maybe they don't always go the way I want them to, right? And I could make it really big or I could just be like, okay, well, this thing happened. What do I do next, right? Or having my feelings to be right-sized instead of really big or even allowing myself to have a feeling like, oh, okay, so I had a feeling. 
And but before, and, and I think everyone comes into Reiki different. You know, when I came into Reiki, I everything was like very extreme for me, like very extreme. You know, yeah, I was like, really, really sad. And I was like really, really angry. And I was like, really, you don't know who I am. And it was just so big, so important. Like, you know, just so big. And it really was all just based in fear. You know, it was just all based in fear and just wanting to feel loved and cared for by everybody else when really I needed to figure out how to do that for myself. And Reiki allowed me to kind of step back and see all that stuff. And it doesn't, it's not always fun, right? No, it's not, no, it's <laughs> it's not, not fun not. to see our neuroses. <laughs> and but I think you my speech was buzzing, but no, it's not. Yeah, for me, I, I use the word intense. I was like, how can everything, a small and a big thing, feel equally intense? And right. that's when I realized, okay, I need to work. But, but I, it takes a lot of time, practice and patience and acceptance, as you say, because it's not always fun. But, it's, but the result is like, I, you can go back. Once you try, right. you can go exactly. back. <laughs> it's worth it, though. It's, it's totally worth, worth it. It's worth the journey. Totally. Uh, I wanted to go over another question I ask everybody. So a lot of times we portray... Reiki people like gurus, Instagram, perfect, always peaceful and centered. And obviously we have our moments of that, but we also make what I will say in quote marks, mistakes or oops, things that as we advance in our journey, we realize we're probably like either we need to outgrow or we're completely a wrong vision of what Reiki is. Mm -hmm. And that actually gave us a precious gift, which was uh, Reiki wisdom. So if you had an oops, what will your oops be? Um. It kind of actually co corresponds to some of the stuff I've been talking about. I really struggled in the beginning with grasping <laughs> the reality that I don't actually have to do anything. You know, I lay my hands on and Reiki starts. And, and then I move my hands, right? And then I take them off and, and then it stops. And uh, after sessions... Uh, oftentimes I would, I would essentially, like a lot of us do, <laughs> uh, people would have things would come up and I would just start telling them what to do. You know, if you just did this, you know, if you, you know, if you, uh, if you would just meditate every day, you'd feel better, you know, or whatever it is I <laughs> thought I was so, you know, so smart about. Um, and, you know, I, and I thought that I, I was the one, I, I the self-important I, how smart I am, right? Uh, I was doing this. And um, yeah, and it was a process of like, oh, actually, no, <laughs> I'm a conduit, right? Reiki's yeah. flowing through me. And uh, the more Reiki I, I give and give myself, the clearer channel I'm going to become. And I'm literally going to become less crazy. Um, and I don't actually have to do anything, but place my hands down and, and honestly stop talking. <laughs> I, I, I love that oops because, and I think also you pointed out something that we all try at the beginning. We give advice versus allowing them to empower and asking what was their experience like. And again, we can share sometimes what helps me is this. Yes. You know, but, but I think at the beginning because we want to help them feel better so much we actually disempower them. And I love that you described that. Oops, is a brilliant one because I think when we start offering sessions to others, it's something we all go through it. You know, it's quite common. 
Yeah, exactly. Perfect. And one last question. What if there is only one piece of advice you can give a Reiki practitioner or teacher to deepen their practice? What would that be? In this case, you can. You can be the big I can say the piece of advice. You're completely. I'm sure I'm going to say what everyone else says, right? And to practice every day, you know, commit to your practice. Perfect. Yeah, com yeah commit. Commit to it. I, I like the word commitment. It has a layer that goes beyond just practice every day. So I appreciate that difference because we can do hands-on healing every day, but committing to your practice has a beautiful layer uh, beyond just placing your hands and doing your homework. Yes. I love that. And again, thank you for all the work you do, uh, for giving me this interview. It's, it's a pleasure to get to know you better as well. Uh, because I saw you once on Ricky Home and I really connected with you. It was Ricky Home Cafe or something. I'm like, oh, this guy, he's great. Like he's bringing Ricky to communities who are underprivileged. And that for me really like touched my heart because it's something I haven't been able to figure out how. I did have it for two years in Brooklyn, in Richwood. Now it's become very hard. So beyond obviously the beauty of your Reiki practice and your own beautiful energy. I really appreciate that uh, activism side of it. And I'm really glad you're in this world. So I hope you're here for many, many more years and we'll do another interview and you'll be a completely different person and I'll be a completely different person. And we'll be very <laughs> happy still. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Dive into Reiki podcast. You can read a full transcript of today's interview at diveintoreiki.com slash blog. If you found this episode helpful, please hit the subscribe button, leave me a review, or just share it with your friends. It makes all the difference. Thank you. Gracias. Merci. 